So last week, Biz417, which is a local business publication, gave me an opportunity to speak at their Think Summit event. And they said, can you talk about the social and cultural impact of board games? After the like, governor, no less. Yeah. Can you speak after the governor mm-hmm. talks about meaningful things about board games? And I was like, I mean, I guess <laughs> About so. the really important stuff. Right. Um, and so anyways, uh, for me, it was an opportunity not just to talk about board games, but to talk about all of the wonderful people in board games, like Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games, who, who contributed to the talk, and the 417 Gamers Group, and Rick Bagwell, and Catherine Yoder, and Flat Out at the Table, and Flat Out Games in Seattle, and also our friendly local game store, Metagames. And so you and I went to Metagames this morning. As we are wont to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just to see what was going on, and as I walked in, I immediately noticed they had the Concordia Venus expansion, which is something I've been very excited for. You only ran towards it. Right, exactly. That's right. I only knocked seven kids out of the way, so it's no big deal. Um, And as we were talking to Jeremy at Metagames, um, they had seen the talk. They were appreciative that we took the opportunity to give them a shout-out. And then as a a thanks, a gift of gratitude, they let us take Concordia and Estates as a, hey, thanks so much for talking about us. And I was very confused, and I am sorry for that, Jeremy, if I didn't immediately look overjoyed. Because I was like, no, we're not together. We're going to pay separately. Yeah. But no, the money... Should I? Should I get? I, it was just so generous. I was overwhelmed. I felt I couldn't un- process it. Uncomfortable oh. because I cried in front of him, but I didn't know what else to do. So, anyways, um, we hope to have Jeremy on at some point because he's a beer and game enthusiast as yeah. well. But in the interim, uh, we want to cheers to friendly local game store Metagames on East Sunshine in Springfield, Missouri, who's been around for a super long time, provide providing games, a great pace, place to p- play, and opportunities for gamers to learn more as they get into the hobby and frankly, uh, for giving us really cool shit. So cheers to Metagames and Jeremy Bates. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And you're going to need to limber up. Because this is the Mix 6, and we do six beers, six conversations with five-point rating systems, but we're going to do two in a row. And this is the first. It's a big day for us. It's I a feel big day. We've been training for yeah. nearly two years since I we have did a, a sweatband on. Yeah, we I pregame too, which was a terrible idea. No, no, not 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 us. I didn't need two beers before we started the twelve beer marathon. We're definitely. You also asked me where if I had any Fireball left over. Well, it was curiosity, yeah. and, and then you didn't, and it. we had to drink other whiskeys. I have so yeah, other thank whiskeys, you, professional. Yeah. <laughs> so if you enjoy the first I, six beers, I still some moonshine. You want some moonshine? <laughs> Absolutely not. If you enjoy the first six beers that we review on this episode, you'll be able to check out the next six beers on patron extra 20 which is what we're recording immediately after 21. this 21, 21? Yeah. okay yeah. great 21 so if you like this but you're not subscribed to the mix six on patreon definitely check that out because we're only getting drunker here people but before we do that we've got to talk about our rating system and we got to tell people where they can find us over the next couple of months so caleb where will we be uh, we are going to be at Origins in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I don't know that we are doing events there because it's very difficult to schedule games or anything with Gamma. Uh, but we will be around, hanging around the IGDN booth, most likely for me. And uh, look for the people laden down with uh, too many board games to carry. Uh, yeah, right. And we will also be at Gen Con. Holla. Lovely Gen Con. I just got my housing today. 
and uh, we are good to go. We're going to so. be there. Copies of Party Foul. We're going to be demoing Party Foul. We'll be there to buy drinks. Red Markets will be running games. All of the shit yeah. that one would want to do at Gen Con, you could do with us. And then, of course, you'll be able to find us at Moon City Con in Springfield, Missouri in September, I believe. Mm-hmm. But be on the lookout, if it's not already passed, for a Kickstarter for that event. Come to Springfield. Hang out with us. We'll take you to Bass Pro. We'll buy you a beer. Whatever you want to do, really. Yeah. Um, within within the, the realm of legality, we got you. Um, hey, we're going to start drinking beers soon, but before we do that, we have hey, to Hey, you got two beers you got to talk beers. about, though. I have two beers that I have to talk about? I do. I have to thank some people for beers today. Yeah, That's with exactly the right. cheer, we, we're, we're so grateful, and we have so many people heaping treasure upon us. You're absolutely right. We can't fit them into one cheer. You're absolutely so. right. So I have been sitting on two of these beers that we will try during this episode for quite some time because we took a little pause in our recording. Well, you know the story. Mm-hmm. Um, today we'll be reviewing some beers that were a gift to us from Michael and Miranda Provence. Uh, they took a family trip to Florida a few months ago, and they brought beers back specifically for the podcast, which is just the most kind thing. Everything else we drink today will be out of Texas, and that was gifted to us by... Chris Farmer. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him since college. He's very funny. He used to be an RPPR many years ago. Which, so, yeah. thanks so much, Chris, for yeah. the rest of the beer. Uh, pretty incredible that we get to do all this uh, with with beer gifts, <laughs> yes. really. I do like that the Texas beer was in this nice gift box, with, right. and Kale pointed out that it had this black ribbon on it, so it was like... As if it was in mourning <laughs> for, for what we were going to do to ourselves. For our livers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very classy. Before we drink that beer, we got to figure out how we're that beer and Caleb, this rating system has your name literally all over it. All right, so I'm gonna rate beers on our five point scale here by my past fashion choices. Uh, so these are gonna be fashion choices that Caleb has made in his past. Yeah, so rated yeah. by how great they are. So a one is a fashion choice I shouldn't have done, I should never repeat, but and a beer you should not drink again. Uh, so this is gonna be high school cable Caleb with superhero themed Hawaiian shirts. Uh, which were uh, all the rage at Hot Topic at the time, but I wore quite a few of those. Because here's the thing, they had a lot of them in Triple X, which I needed because <laughs> I was enormous. It was so a function thing. It, was, it, it followed my interests. It was uh, nice to wear, made of lovely synthetic fabrics uh, that really caressed the skin. Uh, and that's pretty much all I wore in high school because I wanted to make sure that no one even accidentally was romantically interested in me, we're not, and I achieved that goal. We're not going to move on from this quickly. <laughs> what was your favorite superhero-themed Hawaiian Oh, like the Punisher one quite a, li- quite a bit back then. Nothing yeah. says Hawaiian-themed shirt quite like the Punisher. <laughs> I know. So. Yeah, it was a great choice. So all the way around. Superpower is murder. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You know what's relaxing? Uh, volcanoes. That's how I feel uh-huh. like you connect no, those two things. All, there's a lot of volcanoes on Hawaiian wow. shirts, by the way. Um, okay, what's number two for you? Two's going to be actual Hawaiian shirts, which, you know, segued into the superhero theme one, but better because as a man who needed a 3X shirt, there is a place in society for a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. It's a very limited place. You have to burst through doors, and then you have to have friend groups behind those doors who are willing to scream your name because they're happy to see you, and then you do something buffoonish, and that's the only role you can play in life, but at least it's a role. Nobody has time for the superhero-themed Hawaiian shirt guy, but the fat man in the Hawaiian shirt is a time-tested, protected archetype, and I lived it up, all right? Did you also have a pork pie hat and uh, have an interest in ska? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're rocking 100% right here. Bingo. Uh, number three. Now, the thing about number three, you got to lose 120 pounds before you can do it. But this was me most through college. 
And I'm just going to call it the craziest fucking thing in the thrift store. I remember this, Caleb. Yes, you, this is the Caleb you met uh, wearing just the, like Roy Oberson cowboy shirts and just like bright red pants and just the weirdest shit I could possibly find I know at that, a thrift store. I know that this is a three for the mixed six because we've all evolved a little. But I really liked this Caleb. Just I like miss this Caleb. Taking yeah. chances, showing up, showing up in like purple corduroys and tennis shoes to just like video game night and shit. It yeah. was experimental. <laughs> it was alive. You know what should be a great uh, patron extra? Photos. Of- nope. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have cameras back then, right? They weren't invented yet. Yeah. Uh, also, the thrift stores weren't picked clean by hipsters, oh. so Ooh. you could find some great stuff. But <laughs> So it didn't work most of the time, but even when it didn't work, you had something to talk about. Like agree. a good three. Yep. Uh, but, you know, and it, when it did work, you had like a, I worked out like five times a day back then, so I had sort of a Tyler Durden thing going on, and mm-hmm. I was into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a three. It's sort of half one. Uh, six and another another. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that fucking phrase is. So anyway, we're, we're, we're going to move on to that. Uh, so there's a four. This is something you definitely want to go for. And it's where I'm at now. Yep. I call it the plain nondescript hoodie period. Uh, it's also my case Pollard period where I'm sort of allergic to brands. I want to dress like an extra from Ronin. Like what if earth tones could actually have me swallowed by the earth? And I was as nondescript as like the fucking silence and erased from your memory the second I got out of you. That's what I'm rocking right now. And really, now that I've gained that 120 pounds back, it's the best for all of us. There is uh, something important about that. a nice the, like cardigan on. Like, right. It's, it's not just. From where? There, we don't know. You won't know. I don't know anything about fashion. There's yeah. something <laughs> so comfortable for people of a certain size that are like bigger, but they wear their weight well. The plain nondescript hoodie is the the best thing that you can find. Yeah, uh, it's it's comfortable. It hides a little bit of what you've got going on and want to hide, mm-hmm. but also you feel like because you're wearing it, it's not a sweatshirt. Like it's it's dressed up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like kind of. It's, it's got a zipper. Yeah, you know what it's I mean? forgettable. Accessory. That's right. what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the it. polar opposite of my past choices. I want to not exist. Bingo. And then five, which is the best beer you could have, and the best choice I could make is. Blazer and jeans, Caleb. It is, is really the best, Caleb. The best look, generally. Yeah, it is the uh, it is the Caleb. My, I'm living my best life. The 100%. startup, Caleb. Uh, startup, Caleb. Now, here's the thing. Mm. I, I have a strict dress code where I work. I've gone two weeks in a row just to see if I could wearing jeans. You're not supposed to do that. And everyone says, why are you all dressed up? And it's because I just put a blazer on Bingo. whatever I was wearing. It's like fucking magic, Got man. good suckers. It's amazing. You put a blazer on, it doesn't matter what's on underneath. Amen. You're just good. Like, as long as you got dress shoes, you can have just sweatpants on as far as i'm concerned they don't care there's a blazer on top of that you're you're dressed up yeah it's incredible Uh, i mean that might not work in other places but in missouri that's like missouri top hat like you put a blazer on you're ready to go to the gala it really is uh it's amazing so it's the equivalent of like the 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 cloak from harry potter (laughs) but if you were insecure so it's like it just it was like oh no look you don't look like that you just look professional yeah yeah fuck yeah yeah Yeah. i just want to say missouri top hat is a great name for a brewery uh (laughs) so someone should get on that dibs high school scott Band name. Oh, That's yeah. how I feel about Missouri Top Hat. <laughs> um, hey, we're going to use that rating system to review our beers, and on that note, we're going to get some beer. We're going to get some dissecting our fun topics, and we'll be right back. Hey, Spencer. 
What are you drinking? So this is one of our Texas beers from Chris Farmer. This is Live Oak Big Bark Amber Lager, a Vienna-style lager beer. Um, I'm not, I gotta be honest, lager, not a word that gets me real jazzed. Amber, maybe, I might like it. This is a little bit foamy. Amber is the pinnacle of a three- that's how I Word feel right. for me. Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, it's foaming up on me. Pee bad, so I'm going to put it in my mouth. He is picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. Sorry, it just <laughs> it, it catches up with you. Uh, the pork pie, yeah, uh, what, pork pie had some Once the skank gets in you, there's no getting yeah. it out. It's terminal. Uh, yeah. And he is drinking it? Yeah. yeah. No, quintessential three. Quintessential three, yeah. It, it tastes exactly like you think a amber Pepper. lager would taste, mm-hmm. and that, that tastes like a three. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. I'm trying one more time. He's getting back in there, seeing if it is still it's got a nice candy. I have to say, there they, yeah. these are. I mean, well does anybody designed. want to try this? I'll try it. Okay. Yeah, I'll it yeah, it it's fine. If someone brought me one of these at a bar, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Oh, I mean, I will drink sure. this in the interceding period between this and getting another beer. Texas has yet to impress you, but it's not failed you. It's um, it's better than if we're American lager. I'll give it that much. The the it's Vienna style, it's got more flavor. Yeah, it's not super light, but it is um still kind of. Meh. Right. It's nondescript. Um, it tastes yeah. like it tastes like beer that would live a good version of a beer that would live in a can that just said beer on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of like that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's what a three is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we're into dissecting our fun. This motherfucker um, brought us a board game a few weeks ago, and he was like, "No, no, no. Listen, it's a super dry euro about sheep." And nothing has ever gotten me more excited than someone saying it's a super dry Euro about sheep. So let's talk about Lowlands. All right. Uh, Lowlands is my new Euro obsession. So in a previous episode uh, on the patron extras, if you haven't gotten on the train yet, uh, we talked about Heaven and Ale and how it's your Euro hotness of the moment. Uh, And mine is definitely Lowlands because... I think it goes into our uh, sort of philosophies about resource management. Mm-hmm. So you are very much, you know, don't want to turn the engine on. Right. You want to just look at it. Yep. Um, and I want the engine to run out of control. Right. And just be spewing things out at like an I Love Lucy physical comedy pace. <laughs> uh, and I want the game to be, can you keep up with this nightmarish conveyor belt of resources that are coming at you and use them efficiently, Um, which is why I love games like Terraforming Mars and and things like that. And Lowlands is that for me. So Lowlands is a game where you are raising sheep. Um, It seems remarkably complex. It very much is in a lot of points. But once you get the turn order down, it very much repeats. And uh, it's very predictable in that way. And uh, it is easy to learn uh, after you get past the hurdle of being intimidated by it. Yeah, I actually found it. I mean, we were two or three turns in and I felt like I had a good grasp on how the game played. Yeah. Which is not true of all Euros we've touched. Yeah. I mean, it um, it is easy to understand the variety of mechanics which are available to you fairly mm-hmm. quickly. Yes. Uh, so it's pretty much a worker placement game. Uh, the way it varies on that is that your workers have values. So each of your workers, you have three workers, but they have a three, a four, and a five value. Um, So you can do that action when you place that worker there. So if you place your five person on the collect resource token, you can collect five resources. But if you put your three token on the uh, build fences token, you can only build three fences. Um, Then you also have helpers, which you can put on places for your action economy permanently that permanently boost that by one no matter which worker you put there so if i put my five on the resource token and i have a helper there i can pull six tokens or seven if i have another uh so you're collecting these resources and the goal is to raise sheep 
But the thing is, is that you are suffering from, you know, the dike. Mm-hmm. The, the, the sea is encroaching because you are on the lowlands. Right. And so the thing I find super interesting about lowlands is that it is competitive and it's fiercely competitive yes. to get the most points. Yes. But there is a constant, ever present threat threatening to ruin, ruin all of your boards uh, where you're placing your sheep and trying to build different uh, tiles that give you special bonuses for scoring your final sheep. And this thing is the seawall. And the seawall is super interesting because you are drawing randomized cards that'll tell you a range of what that seawall card is going to do, one to three or four to six. And you don't know. And then you're going to add those individual sea units on top of each other across the dike spaces. Now, as you start building the dike to block it, you got to make sure that your dike goes further across the board right. than the seawall, or right. else you flood. And the thing is, the initial dike spaces are huge, but then when you start layering on top of that, the waves stack on top of each other, which is a great little love resource. Uh, love those little pieces. It simulates it simulates the water getting higher. Yes. So you've got more to work against. Mm-hmm. But as you're adding things to the dike, the dike sections get smaller. Yeah. So the sections on the second level, you're doing the same amount of work to add a section, which is a lot of work and a lot of resources that could be going towards your farm. Right. Um, and you are adding that on there, but it just got three-fourths of the size of the first one. And then yeah. the other one's half the size of the first one. And each one takes the same amount of resources right. to grow. So as someone who has just encountered Lowlands for the first time, thanks to you, it adds this really interesting mechanic. So what what, what I like about Lowlands is it's intensely competitive. You're competing to, to have the most number of points. But also intensely cooperative. Right, because you're having to build the dike as a group to keep the water back. And so there are these very odd, what feel like very important decisions during your turn, which is I could do something terrible terribly self-centered, which is expand the size of my farm, increase the number of sheep that I have, or I could do something fairly altruistic, which is to contribute to the cooperative goal of keeping the water at bay so I don't lose when everyone else loses. But in doing so, I may be wasting a turn giving other people help that I may not benefit from in the long run. And it's very much like an environmental theme because if it starts flooding and damaging sheep, the scoring value track starts increasingly valuing the dam. Yeah. Yeah. So the dam gets worth more points. So the more person the person who contributed most to the dam, even if the dam fails, is gonna win the game. Yeah. Whereas if the dam succeeds, it's literally the person who who lacked and and did the least right. that is going to win because sheep become worth more money. Well there's this other slight wrinkle there too, which is while you're making these decisions about whether or not you want to contribute oh, to the I cooperative, about this. this is my right? favorite mechanic ever. Right. Yeah, if you want to contribute to the cooperative bit, right, the dam building, so the water doesn't get you. At some point, you also have to pay attention to what you think the water is going to do, and if you, as an individual player, over contribute to the cooperative dam building you actually stop reaping those rewards. There's an asymptote to the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. this is what happened to me. I kept adding to the dam. Well, at the end of the game, because I'd added so much to the dam... The dam was good. The dam was so good that I didn't actually get points past a certain point because there was no risk to everyone else because I'd spent so much time contributing to the dam. Oh, and the other part of the dam thing is whenever you contribute to the dam, this is my favorite mechanic in the game, especially when things go bad and the dam starts flooding. Yeah. You have to, after you're done contributing to the dam, you must ask another player at the table to contribute with you, and they can contribute an equal amount as you did. Right. And so that is the crazy part, because um, they don't have to say yes. Right. 
so you have to play kingmaker, right? Like you have to look around and look at that, and who's got the most points? Because right. they have to, you have to bring someone along with right. you. So you're looking like who's going to refuse me? It creates an artificial trying catch to catch up, up. Mechanic. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 really great. I love it. But here's the reason I like it um, more than heaven and hell. It's my type of euro. It's because I, I'm I'm just going to be blunt about it. The entire time, these sheep, they boning. They is fucking. So the sheep will double exponentially when you have two sheep in that turn next turn they create another sheep when you have four they're going to create two more when you got six they're going to create three more then those sheep are going to fuck and make more and you can only contain them in your pasture so the thing is your pasture if it's not big enough you are leaving points at the table because the sheep track is will produce as many sheep for you as you want it to. It will just keep on making points Mm -hmm. at a staggering level, especially if you're keeping the water back. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to do, you're maintaining your farm is not only adding tiles that'll let you add sheep, but moving the little wooden cubes, and they are rectangular cubes. Thank you for not being Everdale and making those sons of bitches round. They stay really nice on the board. Um, you've got to move those to expand your pasture to fit all those sheep that are breeding, or you're just leaving points on the table. And that's my kind of Euro game. Like, this thing's going to take off with or without you. Yes. Can you manage all the shit it's going to throw you? Because that that's terraforming Mars for me. Like, right. You're going to get every cube. You are, you're going to get every fucking cube. Can you spin them fast enough to continue to get more cubes right. and buy more things. One like, of the things that you don't see um, coming in this game is you are building a stable of virile sheep. And so <laughs> virile. For me, they get after. Like the first time Thirsty I was, sheep. Right. I was like, oh, damn, I got another sheep. And then like four turns later, I had 96 other sheep. That you like, couldn't place. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Like what fucking Cardi B songs are these sheep listening to? <laughs> and it is just going. Because I... Where I started to get really sideways on the game is like I had to start selling sheep sheep off at a reduced rate just to clear space because my sheep were going to keep making sheep and I didn't have any space for them. So I was just going to be losing money. So it really is. It's a worker placement game. It's a resource management game. But in this case, the resource engine is your sheep having sex with other sheep and making more sheep. <laughs> uh, and it's also got this odd cooperative element, which is build the dam because you got all these sheep and all these sheep that are making more sheep. And if the dam breaks, you got all these dead fucking sheep. <laughs> um, and then they're not worth anything because you're a sheep farmer. And it is like one of the most interesting interplays of a variety of different mechanics that you're going to find at different games. It takes what I think are some of the most interesting mechanics from other games and it says what if they were all in one game and they were about sheep and so i've only played lowlands once i think we've played it now and brandy and i talked about it for the four days following our first play (laughs) yeah like what could we have done differently with all of these sheep that were having sex um and frankly i don't know because like i wasn't thinking clearly about the sheep having sex because i was thinking about the dam and um, and how I won that game was right. I bought a government resource in the last turn right. that forgave you for not doing shit. Right. And I saw that up there and I was saving for it. And I saw you all going for the dam, so I know you didn't want it. So right. I bought that in the last turn. It forgave me all of the lack of work I did to contribute to the public right. good from that good. Right. And then I just economically destroyed everyone with sheep, which yeah. to me is a solid economic modeling of how the world actually works. It was it was incredibly cutthroat, if I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah, for yeah, a sheep-based uh, worker placement game. Yeah. 
I thought it was oddly capitalistic for Caleb's But uh, I, I hard recommend it. I really like the game. I yeah. really like the game. I want to play it again. Uh, Brandy tried to insta-order it on Amazon, and I was like, they own it. Stop this madness. <laughs> we do not need to own it also. But Brandy's been talking about it at length, about wanting to buy it. So if you're looking for a dry euro, you're more than an introductory gamer probably, and you're looking to explore some really core game mechanics in a really interesting theme. Pretty hard recommendation from both of us both of us on Lowlands. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to grab more beer, and we'll be right back for beer number two of 12 on Mixed 12 Saturday, and we're doing a mock draft. Yeah. Bingo. See number you soon. Number one vote Caleb, what is that beer? I'm going to drink from Austin Beer Works, the Flavor Country Hoppy Pale Ale. I want to say it. It There's not a non-douchey way to say Flavor Country. There isn't. <laughs> like, welcome to Flavor Country. That's all I hear in my, like, video mm. game announcer voice um, for cheap. And the only other way is, like, ironic Flavor Country? Right. Like, yeah. you no, were there? No. Like, and like I, a I 50s chose... announcer is like, welcome to Flavor Country. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. gross and made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Definitely. Like Maybe Sam Elliott could do it. Oh, yeah. Well, if Sam he Elliott... was smoking a cigarette. Oh. Sam Elliott might be the only human who could pull it off. I mean, he kills Bigfoot and Hitler. And yeah. Hitler. Yeah. And and counsels the dude. Well, he killed Hitler. Then I like Bigfoot. I like it that you need anything after Roadhouse. <laughs> he could have quit. <laughs> That's he true. could have retired. Do you do still you, a national treasure? Here's here's a question about yeah. Sam Elliott's ethos. Do you think Sam Elliott would do a commercial for Austin Beer Works? Because I'm not convinced that well, he yeah, would. He would. Eh, it feels a little hipstery for Sam Elliott. We can't talk about Sam Elliott too much. He my, was in the Big Lebowski. He's, my mom he's, really he's, likes Sam Elliott. I love like, Sam Elliott. Disturbingly so. Yeah. Like deeply attracted <laughs> to him. Will tell her son about it at length. Doesn't do wonders for my psyche. I too love much about Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. He plays real off-putting. Elliott. He played Elliott Virgil Erp, right? right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, which, oh, yeah. I know. Come to find I out. I know every role Sam Elliott's right. ever played. Virgil Erp was just <laughs> Sam Elliott. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, this is a beer I'm going to drink. I like the can design. It's like, like a purple red with a kind of... It looks uh, like an Avery Modernist for me. aesthetic. Caleb, uh, Caleb nodded at this semi-approvingly. It's like a brave new flavor country. Like, oh, the mail is here. Yeah. That's a three. That's that a, felt like a that that's felt like a, an exceptional that's the craziest fucking thing in this thrift store that yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> it's a good pale ale, but it's not. We've had a lot of really good pale ales uh, since we've restarted here the podcast, and maybe that's knocking it down a bit. But it's it's a high three. Uh, it's it's nice. It's light. It's drinkable. Um, not too bitter, but uh, good flavor has a, a good lingering taste. But I would drink more. But I'm not gonna like. Uh, you know, get up early to get any or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's good for the first ninety five percent. I do not like the very back. Like there where is I a bit of right an aftertaste. Now. Yeah, see, yeah. I'm fine with that aftertaste, but it's a three to me. It's not. It's not the best thing I've had, but yeah, it's a three. Uh, yeah, I would drink another one. I think. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're into mix six mock draft, which was your number one vote getter rap horn sound. <laughs> um, and so we took a user suggestion, listener suggestion, because it was a great suggestion. And I mean, I've not had more fun making a mock draft in a while. So Dan slot. <laughs> suggests with a high rate of turnover and a low rate of competence it seems like trump could use a new cabinet can the mix six provide fuck yeah we can dan well so we're we typically try to mix like real people and a fantastic thing or fake people and a real thing Mm -hmm. so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna be picking 
fantastic characters and or fake characters to fill actual cabinet slots that, that either, are actually open that are actually <laughs> open so we're doing the government's work you are welcome <laughs> yeah. administration uh can we get a die ross i feel like this is going to be contentious it, and it, first pull is going to be very important i totally agree with this because i'm very well, these are all d10s so I don't, I don't a d10. here's yeah. the thing i need to be honest about i have some fake characters and some not fake but fantastic picks so Caleb rolled a three because he's bad at rolling dice generally. I am. I am very. I bad rolled at a dice. one. Okay. Well, fuck what I said about <laughs> Caleb rolling dice. So we doing snake order? Yeah, snake order. I will defer. Really? Do mm. I get to pick? Uh, or are we just starting from the top? Do you get to go first? Damn. So I, I get to pick the cabinet because we have them listed in order. Do I get is, to pick the position? You can pick the position. Is to Caleb Super's going to get him. I hope so. Um, so here's what we've done. We've picked four positions. So uh, lead for the Department of Justice, lead for the Department of Defense, lead for the EPA, and then an honorable mention position. Where you just get to replace somebody. Just pick somebody, <laughs> and that's a person that you get to have in that, that position. Uh, Only for the cabinet, though, Indefinitely. Right? Yeah. Yes, okay. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. if do, do I lead with strength? Ross, do I go with what I think is my best pick here? Uh, I mean, strategically, you should pick. You should hey, do I'm the one head, that you think Caleb would be. I'm most playing likely head to games here, like the Chiefs. It worked right. so well last time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think Caleb would have uh, copied you the most? Um, I'm going to go with Department of Justice. I'm going to start at the top. Uh, okay. Attorney General. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my thinking here is like, who would make what I think are on balance reasonable decisions? Oh, we also came up with length of term. And resigned oh, yeah. because because exactly they're not right. going to stay in. There. That's exa- so we're going to give you the cabinet position. <laughs> Historically speaking, you are pretty accurate. Right. Then we're going to give you how long they're in office, and then why they or the Trump administration would spend their resignation. Okay. So who do I think reasonably has an unbalanced approach to justice, and I think would be an upgrade over Jeff Sessions? And I've just said a rotating well, cast I mean, of nine-year-olds. <laughs> Jeff Sessions already left. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the, so um, a Whitaker. rotating cast of nine-year-olds. Just nine-year-old children. Just nine-year-old children. Just yeah. pick every nine year old child in america and for one day they all get to be the attorney general it's exactly right why because i think that at mm, roughly the age of nine kids have like an odd sense of justice fortnite cures cancer right exactly <laughs> attorney general it's very reciprocal right so, yeah. exactly right like you did something to me now i'm gonna do something back to you yeah. and i still think that's a more balanced and principled position than whatever jeff sessions was doing so i feel pretty strongly that we net out better here now the trick is length of term because how long are a rotating cast of nine-year-olds actually in office and the answer is until bedtime. <laughs> so every oh. day, every after day, eight o'clock, crime is legal. <laughs> Gotta go home. It's, it's just the, the purge. It's the purge. <laughs> until like whenever they decide to get out of bed the next morning and wake yeah. their parents up. Right. And so every day there's a different nine-year-old until they have to go to bed or it gets dark outside, depending on their parents' proclivities. Um, why do they resign? Well, obviously they resign because um, the Trump administration has a groundhog, groundhog Day-like <laughs> approach to labor laws, which is like, oh, I forgot we couldn't employ children. <laughs> but but I feel like the administration would have a couple of weeks worth of padding like they do on everything where they could say like, no, 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 he's not nine, he's just short. Or like, no, 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 she's not nine, she just hasn't been doing this a long time. Or it's like, an alternative fact. Right, exactly. Oh, we didn't know it was collusion to work with a nine-year-old. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and so every day they could be like, yeah, oh, you know what? We did the background check. You're right. Jared Kushner is nine years old. We aren't allowed to have him work here. And then the next day, they put in a new nine-year-old and do the whole thing over and over again. So, Attorney General, rotating cast of nine-year-olds. Your choice. So, I get to go two in a row now, right? Yep, 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 yep. So, I'm going to go with my honorable mention position first, the one I get to replace, even though it's not uh, in there. 
So I'm going to replace Betsy uh, with Betsy Del- DeVos. Betsy okay. DeVos with Dolores Umbridge wow. from. <laughs> wow. Now here's the thing: she's really just written herself out. She's blackballed in the wizard world. She's going to have to go to the Muggle world to yeah. get her, you know, future for education, you know, done done right. Uh, but she's only in office for one day because of compromising pictures with centaurs, uh, according to the book. So the, they can't handle that level of scandal uh, for a, a prim, proper uh, secretary of education. Um, Mike now, Pence he, is jealous. Now, here's the other thing. If Betsy DeVos, I don't know, say, got dragged into the woods by centaurs, I'd be equally happy with that decision. But uh, I know what happened to Dolores Umbridge, so I'm going to replace where I can. Uh, yeah. Feels like a one-to-one trade there. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going for. Right. We traded um, out, not up. Now, my my actual open cabinet position is not just my wish list. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be... I'm going to go with uh, Department of Defense, uh, formerly General Mattis, uh, that principled American hero. He said not meaning it. And... I'm going to pick Cobra Commander. Wow. So I think we get a full year out of Cobra Commander. Definitely. And his screaming shrill voice and mask. But just, it's going to be a slow accumulation of scandals. So uh, he's going to really clash with Congress when they refuse to fund uh, laser turrets without any guidance systems on the wall, uh, as they will just spew lasers in every direction indiscriminately. Uh, he's going to demand it's very important for defense. He's going to write a very reasoned, angry letter about his dissent. Um, I think he's definitely going to clash with Veterans Affairs. I don't feel like... <laughs> I feel like the one person who could do worse at taking care of veterans than the current administration is maybe Cobra Commander. Uh, and, and there's that. And then that sex scandal with Destro, just going to take him down. That's wow. the last thing. That's a bridge too far for the wow. Trump administration. So he gets about a year before he goes down. Uh, yeah. I'm also, so I'm going to piggyback off that and I'll <laughs> stick with the Department of Defense, which is where you were. Mm-hmm. Cobra Commander is a good pick. Um, I'm going to go with Optimus Prime. So I'm trying to trade up again, not out necessarily. Um, ha- clearly has like a cosmic sense of when and how to use force. I think that in the long run, kind of has an Iron Man-like effect, which is we don't need to make principled decisions about treaties or peace, because if you attack United States, the United States, they just come back at you with space robots. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, what the fuck are we going to do with that? I mean, the obvious answer is to go get, you know, any other Transformer. But my assumption here is we've got Optimus Prime on lock. So yeah. I feel strongly about this. Um, I think Optimus Prime probably makes it five years. Here's the trick. <laughs> I God, he gets a second term. He gets a second term. This is so fucking He survives dark. the transition. Yeah, here's the thing. Jesus. Here's, here's what happens. In two years during the transition, Optimus Prime hopes that Trump gets primaried, but he doesn't. But he feels a nationalistic sense of Does like, he write like a sternly worded anonymous letter to the New York Times? Yeah, definitely. We are the resistance of the Trump administration. Oh, right, but like what's Trump going to do because he's a space robot? Autobots, a symbol. Right. So what he does is he decides to hang around because he believes that he can course correct Trump's bad decisions, not unlike General Mattis thought he might or said he could. Um, And so Optimus Prime hangs around a little longer than he probably should attempting to autocorrect, pun intended. Um, And it doesn't happen. Why does he resign? Rust is what I've decided. (laughs) 
just his time on Earth. The Trump White House does seem like a very wet place. It doesn't. I don't feel like here at a minimum. I don't think there's a lot. He was built on a swamp, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a lot of maintenance going on. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like every day he's submitting like you know budgetary requests or appropriations requests for like W. And you know Trump's sweat is salty. Oh, so that's not good for your your metallic joints. Or he your seems ball like a bearings. spit talker too. So yeah. kind of like a double mm-hmm. whammy there. Yeah. Okay. Next pick, snake order. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna go EPA. I thought long and hard about this one. Um, Scott Pruitt was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to beat. What would be actually minimally better than Scott Pruitt? And I thought Splinter, because he's an actual rat. Um, <laughs> and so at least then... But he has a code. Yeah, the Emperor has no clothes here. So but you've at least traded Emperor, up. Yeah, I've traded up. That's exactly right. Um, and here's my bit, too. Like Splinter's idea of what environmental protection might be, having been raised in a sewer is still a lower standard than most other humans. God, Splinter would regard, like, not dumping radioactive waste as some sort of, like, right-to-life issue. Exactly. That's terrifying. (laughs) Jumping in all 50 states. Right, right, exactly. Mandatory mutagen. As far as he's concerned, open up those mountains, Nevada. Let that shit run out. We won't have endangered species anymore if they become sentient and have guns. Or martial arts training. That's exactly right. Now, here's the real take. Spotted Owl can fight back. Yeah. (laughs) The bango is that we're still in a better position than Scott Pruitt's EPA. So, like, we still trade it up here. So how fucking long? the furry community unites like never before. Oh, right. I know what the audiogram is. Right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Right. So here's the thing. Splinter only makes it six weeks. Why? Because he is, in fact, an actual rat. And even the Trump administration runs out of the ability to, to spend things. And so there's like a three-week period where they're like, no, no, no. He's definitely not a rat. And then there's a two-week period. They're so like, the, the optics are just too bad. No, no, no. They're not. Because there's three weeks where they're like, no, nah, he's not a rat. And then there's two weeks where they're like, why is it? so bad to be a rat and then there's a week where it's like we didn't know he was a rat <laughs> oh so shucks just lies him out of office that's exactly right that's exactly right and I then can see that right and then the next thing is sarah huckabee sanders gets to be like we the president had no idea <laughs> uh we have removed splinter from the environmental protection agency um so that's my pick for the epa uh your turn oh damn that's real good thank um, you so i'm gonna go with uh department of justice Formerly Jeff Sessions. All right. So I am going to go with it doesn't seem like they're going to cooperate very well. And they aren't like everyone in the Trump administration. Uh, I'm going to go with Matthew Murdoch. <laughs> when you un- 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 highlighted that. <laughs> Matthew Murdoch. Uh, so he makes it two to six months depending on crossover events. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Our attorney general's in space. Yeah. We don't know what he's, happened to him. He's going to work about as much as Jeff Sessions did, which means... Not at all. He's a very shitty lawyer, but Trump's going to hire him based on his defense of the Punisher uh, alone. That is going to get him the job. He'll go in there. He'll spend most of his nights beating up the poor (laughs) and not actually doing law in any way, shape, or form. Um, So how he gets resigns is that he's going to uh, mistake Trump as the kingpin because he smells like him, uh, try to punch murder him, puss out, uh, Frank Castle's not going to be there to finish the job, and then he's going to have to resign as a, as an effect of beating up the entire Secret Service <laughs> and trying to punch murder the president before he you know wussed out. The other thing that's going to get him the job in the first place, though, way too Catholic, just deeply Opus oh, Day Catholic. Yeah. Trump loves that shit. Like wow. Matt Murdock uh, defends a mass murdering vigilante in New York and 
crazy psycho Opus Dei Catholic, Natch like through that confirmation process like that. You know, uh, but he's gonna he's gonna ruin it for himself because he's Matt Murdock. Right. I mean, he's gonna have to go on the run again because he always does. Yeah. Um, I could see another reason for him resigning, which is when the Trump administration tries to dismantle the Americans with Disabilities Act, and uh, oh. Murdock can't. Uh, but uh, he resigns out of principle. Yeah, would Matt Murdock even know that much about like <laughs> the, the news or like follow anything? He just seems to be. Punching dudes nonstop. In hallways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, all right, fair enough. So anyway, uh, and my last one, this is going to be my replacement for the EPA, uh, you know, Scott Pruitt. I'm going to, this is a deep cut. I'm going to go with Hoggish Greedley from, from Captain, Captain Planet. Amer- oh, Jesus. I was thinking yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's going to last seven months. So here's what's going to take him down. Racial slurs during a fight with the Planeteers. Definitely. Kwame's going to rip the pig mask off. It turned out it was old man sessions all along damn impersonating hoggish greedly uh damn. yes uh and so plot twist yeah plot twist that's how i really like that <laughs> well i mean i've got to end on this so um my honorable mention position the one that we get to keep forever so this is the auto replacement um it seems to me that trump has had a couple of press secretaries none of them have worked out well and i don't i think none of them have worked out well because none of them have figured out what could be the secret to success here, which is to be so unappealing and odd that people wouldn't ask you follow-up questions, right? So Spicer's problem is that he answered follow-up questions. Also that he's an, an idiot and probably a bigot. Uh, <laughs> Scaramucci's problem was that he's just literally the worst. Um, I love Scaramucci. Right. Bring, bring the mooch back. He's yeah, on, you knew what you got with him. You knew what you got with the mooch. He's a, he's he on, just had it all out there. He's on Big Brother Celebrity Edition, and we've got them all DVR'd, and I'm so excited. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. Uh, and then with, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she's just terrible. She's like, too competently evil for my taste. That's exactly Spicer right. hiding in the bushes. It was adorable. I mean, she'll lie in your face, and right. you know it's a lie, and she knows it's a lie, and right. she'll still do it. So and my, Spicer will do that, but then, like, find a, like, Crawl space, but he'll say something stupid, right? Then, I was gonna say, yeah. then De- he would like deny the Holocaust, like by fart while walking off stage, and you'd be like, "Oh God, that poor guy, he's yeah. so bad." Um, so my thinking is like, get yourself a press secretary who will just be so menacing and odd that after they say something, the press will just not ask questions. So my thinking is, why not Rust Cole from season oh. one of True Detective? <laughs> No lies. Just Just being perfectly honest, it doesn't matter, though. We're all going to die. That's exactly right. So he just transits. He's just drinking (laughs) beer from the podium. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, like, (laughs) he's making the fucking men. He's cutting the can. Cutting up up. a Lone Star can. You know, looking at the press, like anybody, looking at CNN, be like, you got any questions while knifing a can in half? But then there's also, right? Like, so then we're also going to get these great sound bites. Like, MSNBC is going to have a hate. Like, Chris Hayes is going to lose his shit here because, you know, they'll be like, what's the president's position on education? And he'll just look up at the ceiling and start like like talking about Nietzsche. And, I don't know what kind of man would bring a child into this world. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Some some Paulo Freire shit, you know, about like uh, like the nature of education and what it means to learn things. And so for me, Rust Cole would be Trump's best resolution as a press secretary because no one's actually going to ask Rust Rust Cole any meaningful questions out of fear. All right. I was going to think you were going to go with the mouth of sore on there, but... Uh, oh, wow. No, yeah. that seems pretty on the nose. Which yeah. is Russ Cole is really what they need. Yeah, no, it's like, a better pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Russ Cole admits administration doctored climate change, also says it doesn't matter, 
because we should all peacefully walk into the night. <laughs> like, right. great headlines. Yeah. And then one day you see him mowing the White House's lawn. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, Trump comes out and he's like, don't mow my fucking lawn. And he's like, hey, man, whatever, your lawn needed mowing. And everybody just thinks it's totally fucking normal. Won't give press releases on Thursday because that's his day off. Right. Shows up. <laughs> he drinks on those days. Shows up and, they like, the, the press... The press event is open to the press and no one's there. You know, like that's a real win out of fear. So that's who we would pick to replace the cabinet. Don't forget, you can vote for hashtag Team, team Caleb or hashtag Team Spencer on Twitter. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a man here. And while I while I had a great list, I'm conceding. Bingo. You had a great list. I'm gonna do it, Ross. I'm gonna be the big man here. Rap noise. Uh oh, you like the MLG? Yeah, rap horn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Bingo. <laughs> there it is. See you on the other side with a beer and a victory. What are you drinking? Yeah, I'm feeling really good right now. I got to be honest. And uh, it just hit me in the face that we have uh, like 10 more beers to do. And so I'm a little worried. Uh, so <laughs> It's just beer three. Right. We're that's doing right. five. That's right. To kick off uh, beer three of 12, uh, <laughs> I'll be drinking from the Darwin Brewing Company out of Flora. Thanks again to Michael and Miranda. This is the Llama Mama Milk Stout. And I feel like we've had a curious relationship with milk stouts on this podcast. Yeah. They're not really the we we need more alcohol, I think, as uh, regards to our particular palates. But they can be, you know, pleasant. But it needs to be mm. a dessert beer. Mm. That's very is drinkable. it very good? Yeah, it is. Here's what I like about it: it's light. That mm. is a light drinking stout. Um, feels like you could do you could drink a lot of that beer. I do like the aftertaste. Yeah. The aftertaste is more complex than the front. I totally agree. Yeah, the front feels like this is cold not water. Not there. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily a criticism. Um, it's a little tobacco-y maybe on the back end yeah. for me. Yeah. So it's probably a three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm okay with three. I like it, yeah. 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 It's fine. Um, that's three threes in a row. A lot of craziest fucking things in the thrift stores going on here. Amen. Today. Yeah. Um, watch out, Goodwill. We got you. Um, yeah, it's a three for me. It's a good beer. I would definitely drink more of them. It's not changing the way I think about milk stouts mm-hmm. uh, or beer. So feel fine about this. Thanks so much for the uh, the, the can o beer, and we're into binge binger. Yeah, which um, we it's had a combo. We had two very like similar questions. So yeah. where'd we net out on this? So uh, Alex C suggests with Netflix canceling all of its Marvel shows, do you think the age of superhero entertainment is winding down, or are media corporations just trying to find new ways to profit off these IPs? Same same survey. Right. Maddie Gibbons suggests I started watching Titans superhero, right, uh, and found that I just didn't care about any of the characters. I wasn't interested in the plot and honestly found myself bored during the show. Despite this, I watched six episodes hoping that it'll get better. Feels right. Half of my friends love the show. Half feel the same about it. How many episodes do you watch a show before you give up on it and move on? Now, we've dealt with that last part before. Yeah. Uh, but we should probably give a sort of state of the union, because <laughs> nobody else is, uh, at least over the nature of superhero shows. I agree. Uh, as they are in serialized form. Because I just watched The Punisher, and I hate it. <sighs> hate it. Oh, God. Oh, it's so bad. Season two. Season two. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. It's it's not good. It's bad instead of that. I'm really yeah. torn on The Punisher season two. So brief moment on Punisher season two, and then we can talk more globally about superhero shows. So here's my bit. Um, I think The Punisher season two might have one of my favorite episodes of all Punisher. 
Um, now, granted, I've not finished it. I'm like halfway through, and I got real bored, so I quit. Um, but episode three, I think, of Punisher season two, which is their take functionally on Assault on Precinct 13, yeah, um, is entertaining as all hell. Yeah, just let him go. <laughs> right. Yeah. What if you just gave the Punisher a gun and let him run around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be fucking great. And everybody was a bad guy. Like, yeah. what would that be like? It'd be fun is how it would be. But the more general issue here for me is that I don't know that I'm going to finish The Punisher Season 2. You shouldn't. I watched uh, 10 minutes of Jessica Jones Season 2 and thought, oh, yeah, I don't give a shit about Patsy. There were parts, but it got way worse. Yeah, you shouldn't. I watched the first episode of Iron Fist and thought, oh, no, no, I'm not doing this again. And then when Luke Cage Season 2 ended, if I'm being totally honest with you, I was not, like, ready and raring for Season 3. So as I look over the Season 3 of Luke Cage was actually really good. Season two of Luke Cage. Oh, mean. season yeah. two, yeah. Season two. Uh, yeah, I didn't love the ending. I mm. th- still think that season three of Daredevil is was like great. No, fantastic. Probably the best thing they did. Um, but I think about where I was a year ago on this topic, where I couldn't wait to watch like another Marvel Netflix show. I just don't care anymore. The okay, and here's the thing: it's not it's not the premise in in my regard. So. It's so apparent. So Iron Fist was, what if we skimped all the money everywhere? So we didn't hire a fight choreographer, anyone capable of doing the fight choreography, anything capable of doing a decent action scene. Also, we made the story bullshit that never went anywhere. Right. They realized that was too far. Yeah. So I will say in season two of The Punisher, much like season one of The Punisher, the action scenes are great. Like there's a fantastic brawl in a weight room that they basically just stole from Universal Soldier, but you know Scott Atkins is a good thing to steal from. Uh, there are some solid gunfights, uh, like you mentioned in the good Assault on Precinct yeah. 13 episode. Some solid fight scenes. I'm fine with that. But they have now skimped money on getting as much time as humanly possible between those set pieces, right? So that they can. Do nothing but pay the actors. And it it regards in some of the most go-nothing circular dialogue I've ever heard, ever. But here's the thing. I I totally agree with you, and I don't know know what the pattern looks like on season two of The Punisher for this, but I got to thinking after episode three and then after the next two episodes I watched, which were the most boring episodes of television I've ever seen. I think that if you were to look at the great swath of Marvel Netflix shows and to plot them— that's their bit. I know that is their bit, but it's getting apparent. Like, right. It's getting right. just baldly apparent because right. unlike season three, where there were fight scenes on every fucking episode yeah. and they paid through the nose and the choreography right. was great. Yeah. Punisher's not a mainliner, so they're not doing it. And so here's the thing. You can do that. That can work within reason. Yeah. But it's a matter of balance. And Punisher doesn't have that. Like, uh, okay. if I asked you what fucking time it was, you would go and like, I remember the last time someone asked me what time it was. It was my father when I was eight. <laughs> He sold my Beanie Baby collection. I love those Beanie Babies. No, but but like I really connected to their black doll eyes. Unlike my father's dead, holeless eyes. I don't. I don't know. That's why I I never tell people what time it is. I don't know that even your like like fairly glib but accurate representation (laughs) is accurate accurate enough. There's some shit happening in Punisher season two, and I think this is true in, in like Luke Cage too. That whatever that is, that's two episodes where they do that. They out just of 13. monologue at each other, right? Weaponized monologue. Stop doing that. It's so bad. Now, here, here's what it's here's what it's driven me to do. A couple weeks ago, I've I've already talked about this a little bit. Um, I actively looked to buy DC's streaming service. No, oh, don't do that. Here's why, though, and here's what I'm realizing: you were jonesing for it. I was jonesing it for I was jonesing for Batman the Animated Series. Oh, okay. 
uh, and Teen Titans. And what they're doing is they're pulling all of their free streaming stuff off of Prime and Netflix to put it on their exclusive platform, much the same way that that Disney's going to do soon with all the Marvel stuff and everything else. Um, And so what I'm realizing is, while I still do want to watch superhero things very badly, like that's kind of the core of my existence, I want to watch that stuff, I would at this point almost hedge my bets on watching stuff I've already seen, but I know that I love. Until you get to this new stuff. That's that's exactly where I'm at, too. So here's the thing. When we bring up uh, Alex's question, this could be the death or this could be the pullback and renewal. Because like when everything goes to Disney, if they want to keep Punisher, they might put enough money behind it to make it interesting. Whereas Netflix keeps on trying to tease me with like a fucking arc for Frank Castle. There's a point where he gets into a child sex dungeon and lets the pedophile go. That's not the Punisher. Thomas Jane wouldn't have done that. His name is the Punisher. Like, you don't watch the Punisher because you want mercy. Like, he he, punishes. (laughs) Yeah, and they're trying to be like, well, that's too far, but Frank keeps getting drawn into this sort of tragic thing. like, he needs to be in the tragic thing. He needs to be the tragic thing. There it is. He has no arc. He is a creature of pure psychosis and action scene. If you want characters to have arcs, they have arcs around him, not because of him. That's exactly right. <laughs> not, right. not with him. Uh, he is just a gone pure psychopath that you use to muse about violence. And at the best points, Punisher's trying to do that. And the fight scenes are what they should be in the comics, which right. is like, but there are points in the, there's points where he meets his like arch nemesis and he just sort of shouts angrily at him to right. intimidate him instead of like tactically blowing his brains out from a mile away with a sniper rifle. And you don't go to the, you go to the Punisher because he has none of that superhero bullshit. The there Punisher, is no great. Right. He, he goes because he's he will use a claymore to kill right. the supervillain. <laughs> the Punisher ends things. Yeah. He is not the beginning of conversation <laughs> and interest. He is the end of it. And that's kind of the beauty of it. But that requires more action scenes, right. which is more money than Netflix, who's never made money, is willing to pay. Right. So what I... What, and I have... I'll admit, Maddie, I haven't watched Titans because... And, I, and I, I won't. I don't know if you've heard from Robin. Fuck Batman. Right. Uh, yeah. So maybe I shouldn't watch Titans, but um, that's where I think we're at. It, like uh, most main networks and Netflix, who he has more money than I, I don't know CBS or whatever the fuck Titans is on. Um, they're on the DC. They're on DC's yeah, special network. Yeah, yeah, they don't have the money to sustain the narratives with a lot of the characters they're pushing forward without this just insanely obtuse filler dialogue nonsense that is just the worst thing you've ever heard horrible um and so it's going to be a matter of is there going to be a company that can take control of it and if there's anyone it's going to be disney amen that can actually fill it with the content it needs if not i think this ship has sailed because i am not looking for forward to anything else after this i'm actually worried that moving um moving these characters to proprietary platforms like dc and like disney while you're right, in terms of resources, those should be catalysts for action, for production value, for quality. I'm worried that there'll be opportunities for incubation and for um, drawing out some of the shit that you don't necessarily want to draw because the return, I think, is less valuable there. So while I looked for DC streaming platform, they don't have it on PlayStation 4, and I'm not going to get an Apple TV or watch it on my computer. So no, fuck off until yeah. you're ready for that. Yeah, Sony can really fuck up your day with yeah. streaming services. They really can. Regarding what's on the PS4. Right, yeah, because if it's not on there, I'm not doing it. Because yeah. that's, that's what's on my big TV. Yeah. So that's... Um, 
Um, I'm worried that um, insulating yourself from other market forces, like are you performing as well as another Netflix title even, might make it easier to do more of the shit in the middle because now you don't have a, a market check against what you're doing other than the whole thing is going down. Um, so I'm worried about it. I really am. And I'm also worried that the places where I think those things should should thrive, unlike you, I think Netflix is a place where that stuff should thrive. It's not. It's bad enough in The Punisher, and I, I will leave my comments on this, that there are points in The Punisher that you watch so far where they do squib blood work, yeah. where it's actual special effects. Right. Whereas halfway through the season, they stop doing squibs and start doing CG blood. No. Yep. Ugh. They just, it becomes like real bad Major CG give up. Blood. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So that that's where it's at. Like, they do not have the money to do what needs to be done to tell the story they want to tell. And wow. Until they can get that. I don't think this is going anywhere anymore. Like a fake piece <laughs> of blood being wiped away by Frank Castle, I fear that superhero shows are off of my face. We will get more beer. Beautiful. Well said. Caleb, beer four of 12 is? It is from Blue Owl Brewing, the Little Boss Sour Session Wheat. I'm excited. for. I think this is going to be the best beer we've had. I, I'm excited for this, too. I also like this. They have a little subtitle here, and they're sort of vaporware bottom fifth of their can, which just in all, in all, not numerals, just in all words, just says 12 fluid ounces of beer. Bingo. Yeah. It just says what it is there. It's you, you very matter getting. of fact about it. I yeah. love it. So I'm going to give it a shot. I like that Kale describes anything with sort of a, a loud or like unusual style as vaporwave. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, that's what vaporwave is. I, I've done a lot of research on it. This looks like a Microsoft screensaver. Amen. And fuck you if it doesn't. It totally it, does. No, it looks like one of those uh, magic eye pictures, like where you have to like... Vaporwave. Have, it's like, it's a book of vaporwave. Uh, that is pretty good. I would call that a... Four. four. Yeah. I'm call it a four. Knew it. We do like a sour here, but it's it is a drinkable sour. I would have quite a few of those today. Uh, not to mention on another oh, day. Yeah. 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 Like, I want to pull that out of a cooler, and I want to be at a barbecue. I don't um, love the very end. The very end is a weird That's little aftertaste. Wheat. That's the wheat. That's the wheat. wheat, though. Yeah. But if you're... We've had some wheat sours that just do not pass the right. mark. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, And this is pretty damn good for I agree. Wheat it's, sour. It's 85% sour and then 15% wheat. Yeah. And I can deal and with that And a lot of wheat sours are not good enough on the sour front for me to be invested in it it's just like well that's a a bad wheat beer. totally agree like but yeah this is good very doable hey we're into ask mixed six where you submit questions and we answer them and this time we had so many good questions that it's time for a fire sale wah, wah, wah. hey caleb did that i did it ross yeah. didn't do that he didn't do it he coughed though i know like a sound effect i noticed this time you've <laughs> color-coded things uh i think you asked me red and i ask you blue okay so or, no 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 you ask me blue i'll ask you red yeah. okay so your color code we've already gotten wrong we've already gotten so wrong. it feels yeah. like this is no, gonna go well that's <laughs> but when it's red like red markets yeah you're I gonna will say it. it i will say the words okay i love All it right. let's do it uh so adrian b asks how y'all doing? She's so nice. Thank you. We're doing very well. Are you okay? I'm good. You good? 
Yeah, is Adrian all right? Oh, is Adrian okay? We, I hope you're good. Uh, We're I great. I'm good. Uh, we got free board games. We today. got free board games today. Uh, every I think I think you guys were so happy with you came. It's in. the Why happiest. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I to asked me. you if you had stopped a bank robbery. He's like, oh no, this is better. Even better than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to fly like Superman earlier this morning, and then I got a free Concordia expansion, and one of those things was better than the other, <laughs> and the other one was Superman. Uh, so pretty big day for me. I feel like I'm doing pretty well, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you just asking that because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like nobody cares. Oh, I care, Spencer. <laughs> um, hey, Adam asks: Is it better to unfriend or unfollow friends with toxic views on social media, but are otherwise decent people in day to day interactions, or is this bridge not going to set fire to itself? Cut them. There's no difference between online and in person. <laughs> Sever. If they're a dick online, they're actually a dick. Trolls are not ironic. Yep. They are real shitheads in real life. They are just better at hiding it there, and that shouldn't be a you contingent upon you your friends. Yeah. yeah. So uh, It's kind of like that old thing, like, it, watch how your date behaves with a waiter, because that's how they really uh, are. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, this yep. is just an extension of that. That's my... <laughs> if, if you don't believe that, that's fine, but that's my view. The 5% of my body is like... Cut them because you're definitely not going to solve that problem on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, 95% of my body feels that way. 5% of my body is like, but at least at least if you still maintain some relationship with them, you could have a conversation which would hopefully be productive. But that 5% of me is also, also pretty drunk. So I know that that's probably not a good read. Yeah. I'm willing to eat that, as it were. Next question. All right. Dan Cassidy asks, Twilight Struggle, is it on your list to play? If not, why? It's not. Um, and it, I don't know that I'm right here. Like, um, I played it. Yeah. I, I hear that in terms of like technical gameplay, it's pretty fucking great. <sighs> Who'd you play the Soviets or the Americans? I played the Soviets. Feels oh, right. Nice. Yeah. Um, I just don't know their fist bumping because of course they are Caleb. Uh, <laughs> I'm not particularly interested in sociopolitical and or military games. And I definitely not interested in a game that I think that is that tactical. Could be that I have a bad read on Twilight Struggle. It just doesn't seem like something I would. It's enjoy. actually got really good gameplay and mechanics. Does it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm, it's very much on my list because I like two player games. Uh, to put yeah, that's the main detractor for right. me is two yeah. player. We've actually been looking for it, uh, but we just haven't hit a price point where we want to buy it. Just for it's us. pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, they are not fucking around. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remy. Congratulations to Remy, by, by the way, who just launched Feathers a very Ichio. successful yes. RPG, yeah. Feathers. And if you've not yet checked it out, you definitely could. Remy asks, uh, I've recently finished and published my first ever RPG. Holla. Congrats. To solid sales and some wonderful praise from some of my favorite designers in the indie scene. Yet I still feel this weird, invisible mental line between normal people, quotes, and real big deal actual game designers. Does this ever fade, and do you have any tips for surpassing this weird creator's imposter syndrome? Um, I'm not sure it ever fades, but you can always talk yourself around it. Uh, the the tabletop game to space is not really an industry. Like We're all just sort of normal people that are really into it, and you're going to find that people that even that you idolize extremely are just sort of like cool yeah. people, guys and ladies mm-hmm. that are into gaming and they just wanted to game themselves. If, if if you find anyone here's here's the good thing about this sort of impulse. If you mm-hmm. find anyone that treats themselves like a uh, real big deal actual game designers, you found an asshole. <laughs> Not a real big deal actual game designer. Like some of them may have places to go cuz you're seeing mm-hmm. them at Gen Con and they're busy 
and that's fine. But like, if anyone treats themselves like a fucking celebrity in this industry, I will say with one hundred percent accuracy, that person is a dickhead. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so yeah, it's just normal people. They're happy to hear from you. Like you, you, you are among them. Like yeah. number one in itchio physical is not bad, Remy. Yeah, that's damn good actually. Like you know, good don't job. undersell yourself. Uh, so uh, yeah, the it's it's too small for. You know, celebs like we're we're not that way. It's it's pretty supportive. We're nano influencers. Yeah. Um, I actually mm-hmm. gave her some advice on Twitter, uh, and I recommended that she you, you just need to actually write more rules, um, including mm. a falling damage encumbrance, grenade scatter diagrams, <laughs> windage rules for siege weapons, randomization of shotgun pellet distribution, uh, bestiary arranged by biome, castle construction rules, and uh, rules for bohemian ear spoons. So you see, yeah. producer Ross yeah. is one of those assholes. <laughs> right. So this is a useful <laughs> actual. Monster. This is a useful line in the examples for you. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb uh, Colin, M, Colin M asks uh, on any given Friday evening are you more likely to go out or stay in obviously stay in <laughs> I, I, I think we all knew what was coming there here's what I will say I, I stayed in last night watching Fire Fossil documentaries both of them and just live tweeting it to you that's exactly right <laughs> and guess what you can hear our thoughts on both fire festival documentaries on episode patron extra 21 which yeah. will be recording even more drunk after this um more likely to stay in and it's not close. Now, let me be completely honest as to why the last couple of weeks of a Friday, I've tried to make myself go out. So I I very much buy into the introvert kind of like uh, discourse. I'm an introvert. I spend all day interacting with people by the time, all week interacting with people. By the time I get home on Friday, it's definitely recharge time for me, which is to like sit quietly with my wife and watch something. Uh, sometimes I wish I was a go out person because Friday is a great afternoon to like get a little drunk because you've had a long week and I would like to do more of that and I'm going to try to in 2019. Uh, Janice asks, hi Janice, uh, what's the book everyone loves to recommend that you absolutely hate? Uh, you could just put anything by Jonathan Franzen in here. Oh, damn. Um, okay, look, it's one thing <laughs> I've never read one and I'm going to be honest. Never will. Um, <laughs> and it's not just because the experts, I, the excerpts I've read have like utterly disgusted me. Cause like I understand that can be cherry picked and taken out of context. But I've heard Jonathan Franzen like be interviewed, say a bunch of hideously stupid shit, and then pick a part of his 2000 page book to read that violently disgusts me with the workshop guyiness of it. And so, um, yeah, France is one of those things I see on a bookshelf and be like, I need to get out of this house. Like, I got to find where are the exits? Like, uh, yeah, so uh, not for me. Thank you very much. Amen. Um, so I'm here in the red one. There you go. For me, Attaboy. uh, Mosey says uh well she asks he asks i don't know what mosey is mosey says something mm-hmm. mosey says uh if you had to watch one soap opera from start to finish which one and why the real answer is none um, Oh no we have a real answer for this it's the magicians but yeah i was gonna say <laughs> but here are some soap operas that i do watch arrow the Flash, Supergirl, The Magicians. Um, so here's my real-life interaction with soap operas. Two real-life interactions with soap operas. One is uh, Grandma Harris, God rest her soul. Uh, we would, as as kids at their house, would not allowed to, were not allowed inside the house. We had to play outside during her programs, which was like, uh, as the world turns, uh, one day at what? Uh, passions? Passion, not passions, no. Oh, okay. But I do have a passion story that's coming up. Ooh. Um, oh, passion's so good. One I Life know. to Live, I think. There there were a couple of in there that I don't, I don't know. 
so soil poppers have like a weird uh, like thing for me. Like they're the time when you're not having fun. Yeah. Um, now here's my other real life soap opera story. I know someone who was on Passions. <gasps> what? Yeah. So why uh, are they on this show right now? Because he's awful. Okay, so here's what happens. So like, couple, <laughs> of course he is. He yeah. was on Fashions. Absolutely. But we must terrible. record it for posterity. Okay. So here's the thing. A couple years ago, uh, I go to my cousin's wedding. I actually was the ordained minister. I performed the service in New York City. <laughs> I married my cousin. Okay. Uh, in 2008, 2009, and one of her bridesmaids is i'm not going to name her name she is an international supermodel who has hosted some seasons or season of project runway all stars <laughs> she's incredible she's like the coolest dude. so anyways she's this international supermodel and she's driving us around manhattan at like 11 p.m in some shitty ford explorer just trying to get us from the venue to our hotel so she's like really down to earth like kind of odd person who i really enjoy who also does this she is in dating and or engaged to, I can't remember, this guy who I keep hearing about. And he shows up to the wedding. And I have never been more instantly put off by someone entering a room than this gentleman. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, it's so-and-so's boyfriend. I was like, of course it is. This guy comes over to me. So you have to understand, in 2008, I'm uh, not wearing nice things i'm like much bigger than i am now so like at the rehearsal i've got on like a sweater you are vest. a taste making podcaster that, like you are today right exactly right. ready to <laughs> swing with the punches not a those. member of the bourgeoisie yet <laughs> he comes over i'm wearing uh like an argyle sweater vest and a button-up from old navy you know like during the rehearsal and he comes over he goes mm, love that button-up and i was like you motherfucker because he's wearing like what i imagine is a fifteen thousand dollar too small suit from someone who i've never heard of um, and so I start talking to him. Well, his thing is he's a model and he's on passions. And I immediately thought, of course you are. So I guess <laughs> passions, just cause I assume something terrible happens to him, which is why he wasn't on passions, passions anymore. And I want to see that. Well, he probably got killed by a dwarf that was possessed by the devil who also was his fraternal sister. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, that's that. Dan Slotman asks, with the recent controversial <laughs> endings of the NFL championship games, there's a discussion of how the NFL should fix their rule book. Most people are advocating for small changes. By contrast, video games and RPGs tweak balance over time and readily publish full system rewrites. Compare and contrast these approaches. Is there a virtue to maintaining historical continuity? Is tweaking a large rule set a risk-averse band-aid, or is it keeping it simple and not fixing what ain't broken? Caleb. I think they are testing things gradually right now. Um, I just don't think that they have the right mindset for it. Yeah, I agree. I think they're making changes to appease politics, and they're not making changes to see if concussions go down. Uh, and I think they're making changes just to make changes. Uh, I don't know that they are like playtesting the game with any sort of conscious mindset. So I would say keep doing what you're doing, but like take notes on iteration mm -hmm. and like find some data yeah. and do something other than just like wildly flail and be evil like totally Roger agree. Goodell does. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say gradual inno innovations is the way to go. Uh, but yeah, they're not, they're doing neither. That's, that would be my argument. Dan. Totally agree. Uh, so Grant from Melbourne. Uh, asks what beer should be consumed on specific nationalist celebration days. So Australia Day, Fourth of July, Ninth of July, Five de Mayo, etc. Do you consume Bud on the Fourth, Fosters on Oz Day? I don't consume Fosters on Oz Day. That's an American. Beer. I, don't, I don't consume Fosters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Either way, for right. multiple reasons. Yeah. But uh, what what's your answer for these national holidays? Oof. Um. 
No, uh, I don't. So past me, college me was like, it's Cinco de Mayo. Let's get some Corona. I'm going to be honest with you. One time I substituted that for Landshark, which is Jimmy Buffett's Corona, and it is not the way to go. Yeah. Um, I'm. But now I'm like, it's Christmas. I'll have a Corona. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's more like, what's my goal here? To get hammered or to drink beer that I enjoy, and I will make decisions accordingly. So I don't know that I have as much theme in my beer decisions as I once did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. Um, Kevin L. asks, what techniques do you use to deal with anxiety? I don't. It's going great. Anyway, <laughs> Maddie oh, Gibbons no. asks... <laughs> If you were able to go back to any moment in your life and have a 10-minute conversation with yourself, what would you go, where would you go, and what would you say? Man, that's tough. Uh, any moment in my life and have a 10-minute conversation. Um, I'd probably go back to... There's a definite period in my life where I just stopped writing my dissertation. Because I was like, this fucking sucks. Never mind. Uh, and I just put it on hold for a few months and I played video games and I watched Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because I thought it was too hard or I thought it would be impossible or it does seem like some invisible mountain you're never going to climb. Um, and I would probably just say, yeah, but the reality is if you just took the next six weeks and worked like hell, you'd be past this. Mm -hmm. And in a fundamentally different place in your life, that would be well worth it. I'd probably have a conversation about what life after whatever that mountain looks like. And I don't think a dissertation is the thing there. I think the thing there is whatever invisible, ridiculously large, or what seems to be difficult. That's exactly right. Just go, man. Um, That's what I'd have done. Yeah. College, freshman year. uh, I'm going to go to me, desperately trying to get laid. I'm going to break the news that it's not going to work and just play RPG sooner. You always wanted to. You've been avoiding <laughs> it. There it is. Uh, just play RPG sooner. You'll get started in what you want to be your career faster. And uh, yeah, this this whole thing you're doing with the craziest thing you could find at the thrift store, just, it, it's not going to pay. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a fire sale. Thanks for listening all. And we will be back with another beer. My poetry is deep. Spencer, what are you drinking? Also from Florida. This is from Paradise. Get it? Paradise. <laughs> no, nah, but seriously, the yep. logo the logo is two dice. Um, <laughs> this is from Paradise Brewing Puns. Company. This is also from Miranda and Michael. Thank you so much. This is the Clearwater Honey Cream. It's a cream ale brewed with honey and orange peel, which in theory, like... Sounds good when I talk. It sounds like a, a, a like a dream sickle. That's what I'm hearing. I'm not convinced it's what it's going to taste Get like. In there. Okay. Okay. All right. We have had some good honey stuff. Yeah. Uh, recently, so maybe. Well, that was a Sassoon. Uh, yeah, maybe we've broken Sasson. the seal on honey being a gross flavor. Honey cream, though. That sounds. Yeah, that's risque. Ooh, yeah, risque. Ooh. Ew. Hold on. He's getting in there again. Wow. Mm. Much like a pair of dice, oh. he has rolled the second time. He rolled. I like that. He's rolling boxcars. Really? Damn. That is, that. it's got a little bite that keeps it like a beer, which some of the honey stuff we drink doesn't taste like a beer. Yeah, more like a, yeah. That's a four for me. You get some of the orange on the back end, so it's got a little bit of like, a, and I don't mean this in a, a bad way, like a candy yeah. kind of sweetness yeah, to it. I don't hate it. No. It tastes like a like a, like a a dreamsicle, like an yeah. orange uh, dreamsicle. I think we've broken the seal on honey being like a... Yeah. Please don't do that. A deterrent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. 
that's pretty drinkable. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a four for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than your average beer. I wonder on tap if that isn't even more delicious. Oh, I some, bet that'd be real good. Some carbonation yeah. behind yeah. it. Uh, I, I'm happy we found this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb, what are we talking about? So uh, this was a mistake. Was your number two vote getter? Because uh, I mean, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't your number one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Y'all like this one. Um, so Remy suggests, uh, and I want to be clear, uh, best-selling. Game best-selling designer, RPG Remy game designer. Suggests I'd give anything <laughs> to just hear Ross drunkenly explain 40K, honestly. Well. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'd give anything to not hear that. But right. I'm not a best-selling game designer like Remy is on Itch.io. So I'm yeah. just going to have to give it up to her. Here's what we're going to do. For her accomplishment. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Because I hate everything about what we're about to do. <laughs> Do you know that much about it? No. Yeah. And I don't want to. That's the bit here. Oh, I know quite a bit. (laughs) And I am even more opposed. So here's the thing. I'm I'm going to set a seven-minute timer on my phone. Oh, God. And at seven minutes, I'm just going to start ripping plugs out of the back of your computer (laughs) and assume that I'm ending this because this whole thing sounds like a fucking nightmare to me. But right. seven minutes. Feel to, free to ask. Questions. I think the fuse case. box is in the yeah. garage. Yeah, we could it. we could make a run right. for it. If you hear footsteps, it's me running to what I assume is an outlet. <laughs> yeah. So, are you ready, producer uh, Ross? I guess I. I'm this ready, is yeah. your moment. <laughs> is it? You only got one <laughs> chance. Do not miss your. Okay. You yeah. Get it. All right. Here we go. All Time. Right. All right. Uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand is a science fiction setting uh, that is owned by Games Workshop, a company, and uh, it is used for miniature war games, board games. RPGs, card games, and all that. Um, How many testicles do the Space Marines have? Uh, they actually only have two. We made that up. Oh, okay. Uh, so they do How many ha- other organs do they have? They have like 20 extra organs. <laughs> uh, uh, something like that. So um, a, brief Sorry, history, a brief history of it. Um, Earth, um, there, there is an emperor of mankind. Who is someone who is immortal. Someone who is like a Highlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the emperor basically united all of humanity Sounds and right. led us to expand and like build an empire across the galaxy. Makes sense. Uh, but then he was betrayed by his lieutenant, Horus. Yep. Um, Horus uh, was slain in the Civil War, but the emperor was mortally wounded. How tall is Horus? Uh, I mean, he's like six or seven, like seven feet tall. Something like that. I so, mean, oh, he's not space marine tall. No, he's space marine tall. Like they, they were all. Aren't they like nine or ten feet tall? Um, yeah, I don't know the details. All right, I don't know the specifics. <laughs> the of details it. is for the setting. I, I question the expertness <laughs> of any of this. All right, so the the emperor was betrayed by Horus. Horus, of course, uh, betrayed him because well, Horus, of course, of course, of course. That's uh, the beginning hey. to Mister Head. <laughs> uh, because he Horus s- swore allegiance to the chaos gods. Right. Uh, there are four chaos gods. Corin, uh, the god of Blood and war. Uh-huh. Uh, there is Nurgle, the god of plague and disease. <laughs> Nurgle? Nurgle, yes. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There it is. What uh, do you think it is? Slani- it's definitely normal. Yep. Nurgle. It's definitely normal. Nurgle. No, they misprinted yeah. that. Uh, there's Slanish, the god of uh, decadence, uh, pleasure, and excess. Uh-huh. Uh, then there is Zinch, uh, the god of, uh, well, chaos and, well, not the chaos, but of uh, knowledge and intrigue and uh, conspiracy. Very so. different than chaos. Uh, yeah, well, well, they're all they're chaos, chaos gods. Chaos gods. Yeah, yeah. If you're the chaos god, that gets to be the god of chaos. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, so Horus uh, 
swore allegiance to chaos. Chaos convinced him to betray the emperor. Emperor is mortally wounded. Um, so the people on Earth uh, had this uh, built a golden throne, uh, which was basically a massive life support machine to keep the emperor sort of alive. What does it take to keep the golden throne running? Um, psychics, uh, human psychics, uh, and like a thousand a day. So basically, they, that have to be they're human batteries. So they, they mm. the 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 empire had the the imperium has all these ships running around the galaxy looking for psychics. Uh, they grab them and then they take them to Earth, where they're fed in as batteries to feed the uh, keep the emperor alive. And the reason why they have to keep the emperor alive is the emperor projects this this psychic light called the astronomicon, which is mm. a beacon mm-hmm. which allows human spaceships to travel through the warp faster than light. Uh, without it, humanity would all be isolated to, and so the imperium would fall apart, and uh, we'd all be consumed by the other ali- evil. Uh, well, so, everything's so evil. So to but, be clear, yeah. he runs off a. 1,000 psychic a day human yeah. sacrifice. There's diamonds. countless billions. There's trillions of humans in the galaxy. Uh, How scattered. many psychics are there, though? <laughs> I mean, probably hundreds of millions or billions even. <laughs> Feels so. like he's fine, though. Less yeah, yeah, every exactly. day, though. Yeah, yeah, less every day. <laughs> a well, thousand. Yeah. Um, so that's that's humanity. Uh, humanity is a fascistic theocracy uh, that is crumbling apart uh, because it, you know, it's been running for 10,000 years without the emperor to sort of keep it in check. Um, there are humans. They have space marines, which are just genetically engineered augmented humans that are their elite warriors um then uh so that's humanity in a nutshell there's other species though uh there's the eldar which are basically space elves that are like spells yeah yeah they're, they're sort of in decline they're very uh, rational and advanced and what was uh, the name of dan Aykroyd's character in coneheads um yeah maybe that uh, they do have pointy helmets Beldar. they, do, have, they Beldar. do they do have very tall helmets um Ooh. There are uh, then, of course, there's the orcs, which are type. Uh, they're actually spread through fungus. Um, I'm so, sorry, what? Yeah, orcs are fungal. Um, so nope. orcs just release spores, and then there's more orcs there. Sporks. Um, yeah, they they just have in knowledge imprinted. They're all latent psychics. So uh, if Sporks. a orc believes so something, it will happen. Consume so, orcs, then, right? Well, isn't I, that the answer? Um, they are a form orcs. of mushroom. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you probably you they're probably not edible, but like if an orc believes of if red makes something go faster. Then that vehicle, if you paint a vehicle red and an orc pilots it, it will actually be faster. That's how their psychic powers work. So no, uh, yep, that's not how any um, of that. Then of course there's chaos uh, humans who have been converted to chaos, right? Um, and chaos space marines. Uh, then there's the tyranids, which are basically aliens, but you know, with and the zerg from Starcraft. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, you made a reference. He understands. I'm, yeah. zerg, I'm zerg literate. Uh, yeah, Starcraft. Six minutes in. <laughs> Starcraft it ripped off Warhammer. Ripped off Starcraft. Like they ripped each other off uh then there, of course there's the tau which are sort of aliens that believe in the greater good and live in a communistic society but their leaders use pheromones to mind control everybody so they're kind of dicks too um and those are sort of the major factions there's- why are why are psychics not a faction uh well they're psychics among each of the species so like but like if i'm a psychic and i know that my existence mm-hmm well, not all psychics are fed to the emperor. Like some actually are trained. What's that lottery system like? <laughs> if you're really powerful, they'll be like, "Oh, you're too useful, so we'll train you to be an inquisitor or a uh, agent of the Imperium." But so. if you're too powerful, do you think that the emperor gets like four days out of you? Like, I'm trying to figure out the psychic <laughs> power to 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 power. Uh, well, it's also can you control your powers? Because a psychic who's un- who can't be can't control their own powers is going to be manipulating, corrupted by chaos, and that's going to be bad. So it's going to oh. be like all the exorcisty event horizon. So you gotta you gotta feed those psychics the emperor before Did, they go bad. Didn't Horus betray the emperor after they converted an entire world into a parade ground for a military parade? Among other things, it was complicated. <laughs> 
The horse heresy is a bit like there's a series of novels horsey. about. Yeah, the horse. You've got you've got 55 seconds left. Tell me why I should play this game. Uh, well, there's multiple games. There's actually one uh, called, not helping uh, kill team that's actually only uses uh, a small group of characters. So like you'd have a team of four to six characters, uh, and it's a war game that you could play with up to four players. But uh, when each character has 26 extra organs, actually, right, yeah, a lot of bang right, for your buck. Right. Well, it's actually the the rules are actually pretty easy to get into, um, and it's easy to learn. I have a lot of miniatures, so we could play without you having to learn or to pay for anything. <sighs> we could. Yeah. Um, tell me about the base game Warhammer 40k that mm-hmm. I see played at like game stores. What am I getting into there? Uh, that you would need to spend like 100 bucks for an army. Uh, you'd be rolling a lot of dice, uh, d6s for uh, units. Um, and yeah, it's like Conflict 47, but uh, I don't like the rules as much as Conflict 47. So, um, yeah. Uh, do I have any more time? Five to, seconds. Uh, yeah, Warhammer 40k. It's a grim dark. F- uh, in the grim dark f- uh, future, there is only war. Time. Remy, we did that for you. <laughs> for you exclusively. You're Congratulations. Welcome. Yeah. We're on to Drunk Enough. <laughs> Caleb, beer six of 12, what is it? We are drinking from Live Oak Brewing out of Texas again. Oh my God. Unintentionally, we're ending the episode in the same way that we started the episode. Framing device. Motherfucker. Live Oak's Hefeweizen. It's a Bavarian style uh, Weiss beer. And I am going to give it a shot as soon as my co-host is done drinking water. I'm trying to stay hydrated. Also, yeah, the, you got to drink water. The Hefeweizen can looks like the uh, amber lager can. And yeah. while I appreciate the similarity in branding, I wonder if it wouldn't be easy just to pick up the wrong thing because yeah. they're identical. Caleb's face is I'd not. I'd be pretty angry if I picked this up and I was looking for something else. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, it's not a one, but it's a two. There's some skunk on that. Uh, that's not acceptable even for a Hefeweizen. Um, wow. I'm not wild about that one. That not, is, are that, you, that's going to be a Hawaiian shirt. Ooh, you just smelled it and you didn't like it. That's going to be a Hawaiian cool. shirt for me. Do you know what the nose smells like? Seven layer dip. Um, and so <laughs> I am not excited. What you're looking for out of a Bavarian style <laughs> nice. beer. Nope. Well, I got to try this. Nope. Whoa. Nope. Oh, it's wow. not good. I've had worse, but it's how is, bad. How is that not a one? No, I, we've had Ooh. worse. It tastes like black olives. Do you remember the Higgs boson, like, yeah. quantum state beer? That is not as bad as God, that. that's bad. The other one tasted like meat, so that that's... Yeah, it's it's a two for me. It's oh. bad, but it's a two, yeah. That's a one for... That is a, that is a green olive with, like, some rind in it. Like, oh, no, there's it some is, pickled... It is gross. Ooh. I'm not into it, no. Ugh. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and drunk enough, we're going to talk about. Uh, so this is kind of based off a series of tweets I saw. Yeah. Uh, what is the alternative to the hard work reaps rewards ethos? So I saw a series of tweets that got upvoted frequently about telling people that um, it was arguing that parents should not teach their kids that hard work reaps rewards because it doesn't always um, because it uh, encourages burnout, so encourages throwing labor after impossible problems, yep. uh, and it also uh, dis it doesn't acknowledge the fact that privilege exists. Right. However, um, being <clears throat> intensely invested in education and the outcomes therein, I see far less people who are, despite the um, you know hard work uh, ethos, the burnout productivity. 
uh, advertisement that is given to us, which we've succumbed to, obviously, sure. in this podcast, uh, that uh, I the, I see the other end of that way more often, which is people are, don't give a shit and don't do anything and right. don't work very hard yeah. about anything and then reap no rewards right. as a result of because it. Because disbelief in that axiom is equally not good to me. So, so yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I see all of the flaws that are pointed out with the, you know, Protestant work ethic of doing things. Right. And yet the majority of my life is dealing with people and the consequences of those people's lives of people who didn't get Protestant work, anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what the alternative is. Right. And, and maybe uh. they're connected. Maybe the, maybe the dropout, don't give a shit culture is connected to the fact that the work hard always gives yeah, rewards. There's but, some response. Yeah, yeah, there's it's a reactionary sort of thing. Yeah. But I don't know what the alternative is. I think there are some alternatives, or at least one that kind of resonates with me. So um I do think there is value in hard work. Let me start by saying that I think that like a radical rejection of this premise is like not helpful. Too far. Yeah. Yeah. Too far. Um that's not to say that there are not examples which point out that a radical rejection of this premise work right like mm-hmm. like much of instagram is like confirmation that hard work is not necessarily a virtue <laughs> totally yeah. get it okay um let me let me try modifying a little bit rather than rejecting though targeted and or intentional hard work reaps rewards i think there's some value in that and if i if i were to put that another way hard work with the right opportunity I do think reaps rewards. Now, not in all instances because shit happens. The universe is the universe. Call it what you want. Mm -hmm. Things are outside of your control in instances. I totally agree with that. But for me, the, the people that I've been fortunate enough to work with who have done well, who have kind of lived beyond their means or been able to live beyond their means are people who have not just committed 110% to everything, but rather have committed 110% to coming up with decision criteria, which would help them spot or identify specific opportunities, and then devote their hard work capital to those opportunities. Yeah, Not all those things are going to pan out. But I would much prefer to make a reasoned decision about what I think is a good or bad opportunity and then devote my hard work accordingly uh, in specific targeted ways than just work hard all the time for everything. Because I do think there is something to the work smarter, not harder bit. Yeah. But in the same vein, the work smarter part there for me is making a decision about what warrants hard work and doesn't warrant hard work. So like I have a coworker who has this like, uh, what I originally thought was like, I don't know if I love that philosophy, but like the more I hear it sometimes, I think this is a pretty good philosophy, which is like, there really is a clear line in her head between like worth the input, not worth the input. And for her, the clear line is like, does that output get us anywhere or does it not get us anywhere? Mm -hmm. And that's a question of opportunity, right? Am I able to say that this thing moves the ball? And if it doesn't move the ball, then is it really worth the input? Yeah, probably not. I don't give a shit. I mean, I'll, I'll look at it. I'll pay attention to it. I'll do a minimal amount of things that I need to do to, to satisfy it, but I'm not going to give in to it. But if it's an opportunity which is going to thrust the ball forward, then fuck yeah, jump on the bandwagon, bandwagon and push, 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 and attempt to create, uh, attempt to supplement sweat equity for luck. Yeah. So for me, sure, hard work reaps rewards, asterisk, spend some time figuring out which opportunities are ripe for hard work input to reach opportunity output. I think that's kind of how I approach that. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a 
helpful read. It's not a helpful reading. I know that. But it's a reading that I, like, subscribe to. Yeah, I'm tortured about this one. Right. Like, I hate the productivity, like, my blood is actually coffee. Right. Like, I sleep when I'm dead. Right. Like, all hail Lord Bezos, God Emperor. Like, I hate that bullshit so much from my political perspective. And yet, as a person who has actually met people who are not in the upper uh, economic crust. Right. Um, I know that their kids don't experience that. And I know that as they grow up and become parents and have those kids, that uh, they're pretty much every reference to their own educational upbringing is, I shoulda. Right. Like, damn, I was dumb for not doing insert activity. Insert like, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. boy, that was stupid of me to not do that. Like, man, I should... Because, like... And and we can make an argument about this is being too early. I think it's pretty clearly is, but like there is a lot of the real world, and I hate the separation between the real world and school. But there is a lot of the real world that is decided, like by the time you have a couple years of high school, yeah, under your for belt. sure. Like that is just by birth, in yeah, some done, instances. And like that's the other thing. It's other. It's other, It's always by birth, right? But you think in order to get that sort of framework, most of those people need to have invested in that right. hard work yeah. sort of aesthetic in the first place. And so it very much becomes like, I shoulda, I woulda, but I didn't. Right. And now I and don't. Now look where I am. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I'm torn. Like, I very much hate this sort of like, dig for it. Like, right. be the intern. Never get paid for 70-hour right. weeks. Like, that's just some bullshit, like, Gilded Age fiefdom, yeah. like, superstructure ideology opsec yeah. shit. I hate it. And yet, at the same time, the the people I work with every day are very much in the movies like, well, maybe I shouldn't have like dipped and never proven that I could demonstrably read before I tried to go to college right, right. and got 80 grand in debt. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Right. That didn't work. Uh, and like... And the other and the other thing is like grades don't matter at all or effort doesn't matter at all. It's all bullshit. You're all fixed in your spot. And that's a generational poverty thinking, yep. which is also real shitty. Yep. Which is the other side of that there is no hard work ethos. It's all like about privilege. And it's acknowledging privilege, but also using privilege as an excuse to give yep. up all personal autonomy. That's exactly right. Um, which so I don't know any way to go on this. Like I agree that the current system is not covering it. And yet, I I look at the alternative as just like, well, you're doomed, right? Or right. like, well, be a baby genius at fourth grade, or right. give up. Like, I, I don't I don't get that. Let, let me also suggest that maybe the answer to this question, there's not a universal answer, but there's a rather there's an answer which pivots on what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. And so, for example, like. Um, we did not make a million dollars on party foul. <laughs> we actually made no money on party foul. Hey, once Bagger comes through, I figured it out. We will have made four hundred dollars on party. Foul. Bingo! Mixers we're, we're, party we're, at Gen Con. Definitely worth two years of labor. <laughs> right. Also, all your future sales. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Big finger crossed on that one. Right. The Kickstarter definitely made us confident about the future. But sales. while there are things that I would change about like how it all went, like I wouldn't change putting effort into party foul. Right? Yeah. And I imagine it like base raiders, right? Like Ross is not living in a fucking mansion from base raiders. Well, no. I mean, I did make a profit. From but it. you made a profit, yeah, right? Yeah. But but it, it did not fund you for the rest of your life. No. no right? No. Even red markets, which perform- And to think of like, well, I should have worked harder on it, and then it would have. 
is poisonous. Yeah. Like that's right. dumb. Like I yeah. also imagine there are there are points in your life where you could look back and go, I literally couldn't have worked harder on some of the <laughs> stuff I did with base raiders. Red markets, which performed exceptionally well. I've done the math. Mm-hmm. Red markets is like in the top 10% of all games Kickstarters, right? Um, performed exceptionally well. Even you are not like high on the hog because no. of red markets. No. But you loved it and you loved base raiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we love Party Foul for what it is. Um, I think the other answer to this question is like, if you love a thing and you care about a thing and you think a thing is meaningful and it fulfills you and it gives you value, work hard on it. Um, and yes, you have to pay bills and you have to pay for food and you have to survive and thrive. I get all that. But you know, this, I've been reading this great book, collaborative intelligence, which I finished by the way now, which is a promise I made in an earlier episode of 2019 resolution. Bingo. And um, one of the arguments in that book is that there's some value in a shift away from a market share economy to a mind share economy. And I really appreciate that. The first come, first serve, you know, you win because you're the smartest market share versus there's value in things that give you purpose and in working with other people and not being the smartest or the best. Um, I think there's some truth to that. And I do believe that if a thing fulfills you, keeps you up at night because you want to be up at night, that's the stuff you can work hard on. And that's okay. Um, And if that means you've got to go flip burgers during the day to do that stuff, that's probably the nature of our setting. But if you can do it, do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's some humanity in it. And I think that's good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a privileged position. I, I mean, I do tell people that they need to be nerds about something. Right. And you can't survive unless you are uh, unapologetically, socially unacceptably obsessed with doing something well. Right. Or digging into it. Like, right. And so, yeah, the, the guy who plays, you know, they've played Catan, probably not going to make it a board game review like right. network and it's not because Catan's bad it's right. because they're not because we're done talking about it yeah it's because right. it's, it's they're not like obsessively what's that new I haven't heard that title before yeah. I have to buy it right I know nothing about it but yet I need to play it and tell everyone yeah like you have to be like you got to be aggro right. about something like and that's the only way to get be through. weird about a thing yeah be weird about it uh so yeah I don't know uh I'm just sort of I don't know what replaces it I agree with the criticism but I don't know I don't know what goes in its place, right? And, you know, I'm sort of struggling. At least for that. that what goes in its place that is in your control, which is an important condition. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, hey, if you've enjoyed this, what if I told you we were going to drink six more beers starting two minutes from now and do it all over again, starting from drunk? Well, we are, <laughs> and it's Patron Extra Twenty One, which you can find on our Patreon page. Just go to Patreon.com, look for the Mix Six Podcast, and you'll find us there, where you can subscribe to a variety of different levels, which will get you access to all of our content, including hot takes and jury of our beers, which are shorter episodes where we talk about specific items, or a bunch of free longer episodes where we do this just again with more listener submitted content. So if you've been listening to this but you're not ready to listen to that, you've got options. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, check us out at The Mixed Six. You can also find us on Instagram, The Mixed Six Podcast, or Facebook, The Mixed Six. Just look for the group or the page. You can get to one from the other. And finally, we've got some stuff up on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and look for The Mixed Six Podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends about us. I'm already a little drunk and about to get drunker. So once again, I am Spencer. 
We're really going to do this again? We're going to do this right like now. a whole nother one? One more time. <sighs> Maybe love is labor. I, Maybe love air. is Caleb labor because I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it. I think we should do... For the fans. I think we should do some bourbon in between. Yes, we should. All right, let's do it. I'm bango, Caleb. Bango, bango. Let's get after it. This is the Mix 6 Podcast. We'll see you in a minute. Woo!